Welcome back to Two Nobodies, everyone. Rupesha's back with you again. About a couple of months ago, I had a great conversation with Dr. Chris Bolton about the Amazon and how it's losing its resilience. It was fantastic to hear that, you know, it we're at an early warning sign is sort of what Dr. Bolton said, but I really want to understand what's happening closer to the ground. And so I have a fantastic guest in Dr. Patricia Pino, who is the Deputy Science Director at IPAM Amazonia. Patricia, welcome to Two Nobodies. Really, it's a pleasure to have you uh, on the show today. Hi. Uh, hi, Hupesh. This is uh, my pleasure. Thanks for, for the kind invitation and the opportunity to talk a little bit about the Amazon in specific, what's going on on the floor. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to discuss with you. Um, I don't know if you saw, but I, today I saw that there was a paper that came in, came out from, uh, it was an, it might have been an IPCC report yeah, or something from the yeah. UN. Do you know much about that? And uh, if you do, maybe if you don't mind sort of sharing what's sort of the takeaway from this report, because it said it was a, it was a big report today that came out. Yeah, today was the 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 latest um, since report of the AR sixth uh, evaluation of the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change uh, Research is the state of art on what we have and in terms of content uh, and and confidence of mm. those statements that the scientific community is delivering um, in terms of um, specific in the ones that I, I have served as a lead author. Um, it's on impact, vulnerability and adaptation. Uh, we have working group two. We have also working group one that deals much with the basics of the biophysical science mm. and climate modeling. Um, and uh, the mitigation one, which is the third um, working group. But today was the release of the synthesis of the three materials that was released over the next, uh, the latest round. Mm. Uh, so, for instance, the working group two, the report that I worked on was released on last year, 28th mm. of February. And now is the synthesis, what mm. the three reports are saying and um, and uh, some of the takeaway, which is the most um, dramatic uh, evidence, is that first one is that climate is changing, uh, and is it's because uh, attribute to human action, which mm. is linked to greenhouse emissions and affecting global warming temperature. We have also already observed impacts in different scales and different ecosystems and different populations and, and geographies. Mm. Um, and what is also sure is that some people that are like colors, people of different gender, mm. people um, inhabiting different geographies, such as in the global south, um, people that are uh, young, older, or uh, elderly are the ones that are feeling, or indigenous people, uh, feeling most uh, expressively the negative effects of those impacts. So it's highly uneven, um, also the evidence. And we know that the, the world that we are leaving behind us for people who are born mm. today is a much 
uh, much altered or the much changed world than than in our generation per se, if you will. Very, very, very interesting. And so, what would you say? Like, what is, uh, what would you say is different in this report compared to? other reports like what is, is there is there anything that's sort of i guess new or is it more of just um the story that they're trying to tell that's different but what because I've, I've heard some of those things in the past that you said as far as some of those key takeaways but what would you say really stands out in this report that people need to walk away from need to walk away with well um again uh, what the is the takeaway this is the message and again um as it's inevitable that we are having mm. like you know this message uh being spread over and over again and you mm. were right like you heard um in 2018 probably with the special report of 1.5 warm world mm -hmm. what that means to to sustainable development that was a major milestone in terms of the reports and then the latest one um so what is changing is that we we have this uh message is that we don't have much window of an opportunity to act um, if we are trying to reverse uh, a catastrophic shift or more residual limits or, or residual impacts, if we mm. will, uh, on some population, um, on, on, on some uh, ecosystems. Um, and then uh, what we have is that the gap uh, between what is necessary to to adapt it and to avoid risks at the global scale is really like um, not optimal. It's really mm. like large. We have mm. a large gap between the actions that needs to be taken in comparison to what have been done. So, and this is also uh, part of the message in this report mm. um, that. Um, People need to really demand um, from like state level, from uh, private sector yeah. demanding action uh, if we are um, aiming to to really live in a in a in a world that it can be sustainable, fair, uh, and just uh, to to all. And I, and I really want to talk about that because I know that I, I believe that's sort of research focus, right? Is to look at those populations who are very vulnerable to climate change and the inequities um, that are being realized um, by folks because of climate change. So I do want to get into that. Um, the reason why I asked you about the just what's the difference in reports is I, I wonder, and I have no data on this, Patricia, but I wonder about when these reports come out, um, how do they land with people? Um, because you, you, we've seen multiple reports from the UN, from the IPCC come out. And so I always wonder, like, are these landing in a way that's that's forcing people to, to act on things and forcing, you know, different uh, governments or different NGOs or whatever to, to mobilize even further? Um, so th that's, that's sort of what I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but that's, um, I see these reports and I was like, okay, another big one. And, and there must be some great information on here. And I'm somebody definitely who's interested in the topic, but for, for folks who, who are not necessarily, um, you know, paying as close of attention when they see these reports, multiple come out. I wonder how they're landing, but any thoughts on that? 
So I think there is, um, again, um, um, there is this almost a, a rhetoric that people say, oh, the scientists, like some of them, even like the youth, um, blame the scientists for having this information and not telling people or, mm. or when we send, like we, you know, we... Uh, our our message in 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 the IPCC is somehow diluted. Um, it's you you should take much more um, um, worse in terms of the impact because it needs to reach consensus mm. not only among scientists but also among the policymakers, the 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 the, the states, the 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 governments that uh, are the the champions of those. Uh, reports. So, uh, so in a way, we we do have this um, uh, issue of uh, communication gap. Mm. Of um, we are, are are we communicating the white ray? Is this report coming out uh, to really mobilize people and tell the state of the planet and the state of the vulnerability of people? economies that are at dangers infrastructure and the way out so what are mm. the solution space what are the the implementation enabling conditions that we can be uh, approaching right so um so for for some time this is a little bit of a confusion but our role as scientists is to deliver this message 100%. and then uh, we are really like being able to partner with um research institutions or um uh, uh, NGOs or think tank institutes and um, being heard at the government level, being influential at drafting and supporting um, um, diagnosis of vulnerability and impact and, and supporting implementation strategies. But at the bottom line, oh, giving messages to the private sector, giving mm -hmm. uh, suggestions on how we can uh, make a transition to a climate resilient pathway. Um, but what we see is that um, at the end comes to action at uh, different levels and, mm -hmm. and, and especially across um, the, the global, it's, it's, a, it's a global scale, it's a global issue. And then we see that some countries and uh, most of them that are really like responsible for, for us living in such mm -hmm. an altered uh, ecosystem or altered climate, um, given the historical emissions, are not doing enough. They're yeah. not committed enough to reduce their emissions or to remove um, to to really reduce the emissions of commodities that are feeding their their mm. their population or their cattle or their economy somehow that are being driven by um, different localities, different people. Um, and, and we know that those aspects are also threatening um, uh, the climate and threatening the people and pushing people to a more vulnerable state. So I will give an example. Um, our the, the latest IPCC report, we mm -hmm. have in our chapter a high confidence, which means that most of the papers, which is... Um, like a thousand or five hundred, or uh, they all since like the two thousand since the latest year of six, which was in two thousand and fourteen. Um, over this period of two thousand and twenty-two, uh, people um, who are uh, like 
in in countries that are more vulnerable in terms of development trajectory we know for sure that development and climate change impacts are driving people's vulnerability and really exacerbating each other. So what we know is not only an effect of the hazards that comes from the uh, altered climate in terms of drought, floods, landslides, or fire, but it's also the development patterns that are rooted in this like colonial legacy or mm. rooted in, in a development pattern that um, was achieved by you know, Northern Hemisphere that we can mm -hmm. afford anymore to have that under the, the, the climate constraint and the biodiverse crisis that we have now. So are uh, all those conditions also impose a uh, hardship um, for, for people who are like already in under this spectrum of poverty and under a mm -hmm. scenario of high inequality is really... Uh, challenging to to protect those uh, people's, their sets, livelihoods, and so on and so forth. So we need uh, to act uh, globally, and we need to scale up like adaptation in all levels uh, that we need. There's, there's a lot there, Patricia, that you said. Um, I, I'm thinking about sort of like you said, those those bigger countries uh, who are causing the emissions problems and, you know, a lot of the global South that's sort of suffering as a result of, of the actions of some of the more Northern countries. Um, the recent cyclone in Senegal was just, um, you know, pulls at your heartstrings when you see examples like that. Um, are there, I mean, we know obviously about the United States, bigger, large emitter, the largest in the world, China, those big countries. Are there other countries though that, maybe in your mind tend to fly under the radar but are, are troubling i guess um that yeah, people are not European paying attention Union. to the european union okay yeah of course um yeah. so i mean people are paying attention and because this is the historical um uh what we say is that people they have been uh, at least benefiting economically from these emissions that happened in the past like don't don't get me wrong it's still mm. happening now so we do have like these countries leading emissions like us china mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh trade in general and uh so we know um that still people um emitting and not committed enough to reduce dramatically mm. those emissions but what we we know for sure is that um uh, countries for for instance like the European Union has just accepted uh, the fact that it's um, creating a loss and fund uh, funding um, at the COP twenty sixth um, at oops the COP twenty seventh in mm -hmm. in Egypt. Mm -hmm. uh, but in fact, what happened is just like acknowledgement. Yes, we screw up. Yes, we know that these impacts are uneven, uh, uneven, and it's affecting most of the global South communities. And uh, we we acknowledge that and create this fund. But nobody has ever uh, talked about where this money is coming from, where the money will be targeted to, mm -hmm. and uh, still no man, no money to to act. So. Um, 
in a way, I think it's a, it's a strong... It's, and from the U.S. side, again, there's no sign of like a global uh, commitment to reduce emissions. In, mm. in the time frame and the, the speed and the scale that we need. Sure. So for one side, I think that gives us like a really depressing... Um, um, mm. um, scenario because we know, yeah, people who has been responsible has a knowledge that they are responsible, uh, but in fact are really like just acknowledging and not really doing much. So, which gives a really bad sign to the world in terms of, uh, oops, what what they you know the solution space that is closing as a, a window of opportunity yeah really patricia how did you get involved in in this research like where where did that sort of i guess love for an interest for for climate research and and the environment come from so i was a phd student in in california and i was doing my field work in the amazon where i i always uh went to to work so i was mm. studying at university of california i was abroad and um and the amazon is such a like this unique ecosystem that even it's like a stranger for you know brazilians so mm. we i i always joked that uh, i needed to go out of my country to be able to visit <laughs> the amazon and yeah. to work there so um so i was there working and investigating collective action of how local communities manage uh endangered fish resource and biodiversity that is mm. threatened uh because we have the 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 two strategies that you know is the dilemma of the commons which means that people will just deplete it mm. uh until they see a resource completely um being eroded um and then they can act or mm. whereas or not some communities get together and do something and establish an, a, a more sustainable collective action in pro of a collective good. So I try to understand these aspects uh, in the Amazon in the context of endangered fisheries um, from the indigenous people's perspective. Mm. Uh, and when I was there, it was like 2010 and was one of the largest uh, droughts the Amazon has been facing. Uh, and um, and that's that's what really uh, affect like uh, the transportation, the livelihoods, and mm. and then everywhere outside the Amazon was being broadcast how that was the awful uh, drought, and uh, and I started being curious how people were carrying out their lives in under mm. that context and. And also, like, attempted to adapt, and, and what are the limits? And then they start, and I start asking. Uh, my major professor in California was an anthropologist, also working with climate change in the Peruvian, um, um, uh, in, in the Andes, uh, basically, mm -hmm. in, in South America. And uh, so I start getting fascinated about how people understand and make sense of the weather, uh, how they adapt and adjust it, and specific from people that you don't heard much and to who, like, climate change um, seems a different, uh, seems a distance 
uh, reality, right? Mm. When you pay, think about the Amazon, you think about this very uh, moisture and yes. uh, luxurious forest with like thriving wildlife and um, river systems, and which um, some parts is true, but it's already altered. And then how people mm. are coping and adapting to this is in in a very dramatic way. And that's how I end up. Um, looking into climate change and from the human perspective and and being caught uh, caught up since then and and also noticing just like to close this and noticing there's uh frictions where you see this like uh legacy of uh, marginalization or because of people of um that are like historically marginalized as the indigenous people in the mm. Amazon. Uh, but at the same time, people who really uh, um, are able or has been able to to live over a millennium of alteration um, and, and experience extreme events um, in a way that we don't really have um, paid attention to and they are able to map um, you know the the losses that are associated with that so I I decide also to to look into this um, um, domains of justice in the context of environmental uh, justice and climate justice and as people who are least responsible are really more uh, like subjected to, to be affected by by negative outcomes of a process that they they have really not contribute or least benefiting mm -hmm. if you will yeah and i want to understand more about the impact that this is all you know talk about deforestation or just the the incredible use of resources in the amazon and what that's done for indigenous communities um there in the region i do want to understand that a little bit more um but but first i guess how would you describe um the level of awareness or interest from folks in the region so whether it be your whether it be people and folks in brazil or, or other countries um around south america that surround the amazon um, how would you describe the interest or awareness about what's going on in the Amazon? I think like they, they, I think one thing is that we might be aware and, mm. um, but we might not feel empowered of, uh, of doing anything about mm. the problem. Right. So what I usually say is that people people do have uh, like in, in South America, for instance, I think people do have a glimpse of what is the reality of the Amazon rainforest? What is at stake in protecting it? This is the same thing for indigenous people. What is at stake of uh, supporting or the demarcation or giving land rights to those communities? Um, um, especially when when you know that um, you know uh, we are under this huge climate crisis, um, and part of the solutions goes pass through the Amazon to to protecting the Amazon mm. as a global mm. uh, uh, support of the climate and water regulation that we have, not only mentioning biodiversity. So, 
what what I I think is that we do have uh, some level of uh, of knowledge of those factors, but I think we are getting used to um, normalized. Uh, the atrocities that is going on in the region, mm. especially after four years of uh, Bolsonaro government, mm -hmm. where we we have seen the the illegality or the crime that is in place um, that uh, or driving most of the process, um, including invasion of indigenous territory and mining mm. to their land. So we have um, um, this this narrative of uh, indigenous people wants to be developed and that they wanted to be like any of us they want to you know have access to to job market and and opportunities that it's available to most of the brazilians mm. um what happens that we know that for the amazon what is available for this indigenous people are most uh predatory actions uh, predatory activities uh, logging fisheries um and 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 mining for instance or uh or all different type of um uh, job markets that are really not renewable like or, or paying a lot of uh money or requesting some level of education so um these are serious problems because these opportunities are and end up uh gathering um uh, indigenous people especially youth that are searching for opportunities mm. um to cope, especially when I'm talking about these multiple hazards and that are driving even indigenous people to, to large cities in search mm. for health support or sure. um, in, in terms of uh, times of crisis, people really get their, their food production affected, right, to, under those circumstances. Um, and then the, we have this uh, migration to large cities, which can create a problem of culture erosion and then people are like losing the ability to understand and know their culture and act upon their territory. Mm. Um, and then also we have their role as guardians of the forest. We have uh, the evidence that areas that are in fact um, full of people or indigenous communities are those that are highly diverse that are those that are the ones that have the largest amount of carbon and biomass mm. stocked and, and productive and not the other way around right usually you see the you know this discourse that all oh, indigenous people destroy the amazon or mm. local communities the ones that who should be moved we should establish a huge protected area without and taking the people out and in fact is because we have people is that we have a high biodiversity is because we have also protection of the mm. rainforests so what what did you mean by you said predatory you said that there's sort of predatory practices what did you mean by that well what do we have in the amazon as a frontier region um all the development incentives or or the development options economic growth if you mm. will or development um in a very like broad sense comes from activities that are predatory that are not sustainable 
That's mm. what I mean. That okay. so usually is associated with uh, establishment of agro commodities and cattle ranching and logging companies or mining and fisheries. So all those activities uh, engage with uh, the work from indigenous people are options that that turns out to be available to them but all what i'm saying are options that are not bringing neither the sustainability or protection that the forest needs or um an uh, education level or or uh, well-being or health to these communities that are involved so Understood. it's it's what we call like a poverty trap in a, in fact yes. right uh, just bringing disease uh bringing um crime violence mm. in all different forms um um so specific specific for youth young and child and elderly so what contamination of water resource erosion of biodiversity that is used for for rituals for food security and so on and so forth so that's helpful uh you uh, we, i think we we typically hear of like deforestation is like the big problem, but like is you talked about like the loss of biodiversity, soil erosion, all this kind of stuff. And maybe that's uh, those are symptoms or, or they come from deforestation. But what would you say is are the main problems or the main issues currently with the Amazon? Guys, excuse me. Sorry, I you cut it off. A no, that's OK. Bit. I was I was just saying that you um i think we always hear about the deforestation is is the main uh is a main problem with the amazon but i just wondering you talked about soil erosion loss of biodiversity all those sort of things and i imagine that those are kind of all linked to deforestation but for you is 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 deforestation sort of the main issue or um are there others that people are not necessarily talking about that are even more problematic so definitely deforestation is one of the problems that we have mm -hmm. um in the in the amazon um it's it's a huge drive that uh driver net of uh um of land use that has been um uh, responsible for um you know decline of biodiverse um, affecting soil moistures, mm. the forest moistures, and also um, increasing greenhouse emissions associated with the forests. Mm -hmm. um, with deforestation, we also uh, see a much more of a edge effect, which is like uh, impacting the borders uh, of the intact forest, if you will, um, and encroachment of those areas. Um, and then what what is most um, recent and, and dramatic in that is also we have um, on top of deforestation, we have also forest degradation. Mm -hmm. So which means we we just published an article on science uh, it's uh, last month and then it made it to the front cover um, because of the issue we have measured we have been able to measure the deforestation um, of the uh, 
of the Amazon and how we needed to stop it. So we have like um, the European Union um, passing a legislation anti-deforestation for all commodities that enter their market. So we have seen like um, strong signs of the global community to this issue of deforestation. Mm. But forest degradation, understanding what is the quality of the forest that is left. Mm. So and then uh, investigating that uh, we detected that uh, one quarter or at least uh, 38% of the remaining Amazonian forest is in a state of degraded forest, which means they are not uh, performing uh, the, the, the forest role um, in its fulfilled um, attributes, if you will. Sure. Yeah. So it's a force that has been altered, is a force that is losing resilience. So what that means is that um, it's, it's a force that has been more subject to fire incidents. Mm. Uh, this edge effect that I, I mentioned you, we also look into um, illegal selective logging of like how you, you uh, this process, you also degraded the forest in a more mm -hmm. invisible and long and permanent term. And drought. Um, mm. Drought is completely associated with greenhouse emissions and global warming temperatures. So this mm. is something that needs to be tackled uh, collectively by all countries and by, by all uh, nations uh, if we are aiming to protect an, an unique ecosystem as the Amazon, as the article. Um, but the other parts are more associated with the national and state policies, which is like management of fire, like, a, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, establishing our more protected areas and monitoring systems to avoid um, the first further deforestation, stop deforestation is mandatory, but also create a systems of, uh, of monitoring and, and also invest heavily in restoration of forest ecosystem that mm. needs to happen if we want to, to, to have the Amazon as this uh, um, solution to the global climate crisis. How how do you when it, the topic of restoration like what does that look like like how do you actually because um, I imagine that you know these uh, systems and these you know these forests have been there for a long long time like I, I maybe I'm, I'm I could be wrong but what does re restoration actually look like in the Amazon? It's challenging, yeah, um, <laughs> because it's. Um, I think it, we we have uh, been losing species at a very uh, fast rate, and then mm. um, so we needed to create seed banks. We needed to to be able to establish like a chain of restoration process mm. in the Amazon. So uh, Ipan, the institute that I work, we are we are already investing heavily on that, and then has like almost twenty six years of experience in restoration among smallholder farming, family farming in mm -hmm. the Amazon. So and then what we say, we needed to create the seed bank, we needed to create the seedlings, and we need to create the nurseries. We needed to do like an inventory of the area that mm. we, we're gonna be planting. And, uh, and we are really testing, as I'm saying, like now we have like a, a, a much more uh, hotter ecosystem, a much more dry forest uh, and soil. So we, and, and the seasonality has altered. So we need to, and when it rains is like, 
brains is like right. in a very yeah. dramatic way and once the trials it's very uh, dramatic so all those create challenges for the restoration success in the amazon but we already have shown that there are uh, we are testing with under different methodologies so um we are creating a mosaic of like having native species alternate with fruits or mm. or species that are uh, highly nutrition or highly available as an economic um uh uh, resource for mm. for the local communities and this has been an incentive for them to restore their mm. the forest because as you can imagine um, the the there is uh, this narrative or like it's almost uh, becoming a culture aspect that in order to be developed or in order to do um, to to have an economic revenue from the forest, you needed to to deforestate it. You needed to to put right. cattle. You needed to do extract the wood that you have there. You needed to do activate or implemented agriculture at a large scale that is incompatible with forest. So. And what the system we are working on is that no, this is not uh, the the way to go. And then we needed to combine, like you know, uh, agriculture within uh, the forestry structure, and also invest heavily in protecting and maintaining the native vegetation within the private properties or community properties. So we Very have. cool. So, so what I'm hearing it's it's restoring in a way that um, benefits uh, the the actual ecosystem itself. Um, the species involved, but also restoring in a way where it potentially benefits the local economy and people who are in the region so that you don't have this tension where people feel like they need to deforest to support their economy, to raise cattle or or grow their crops or whatever. Very, very interesting. Yes, yes. Yeah. For instance, right now, um, Rupesh, we, we are pushing because um, the new government, uh, like we mm. have a new opportunity. Maybe this is an interesting way of us closing this yeah, part. Yeah. And I hope we can get in touch again. I think yeah. there's so many. I didn't I um, uh, scratch the surface to you of like so many um, issues that are relevant to, to our podcast and discussion. But uh, basically what we, we are working on with under this new change of the government mm -hmm. which starts um making this uh huge commitment and announcement at cop last year as well mm -hmm. so um so the new government and lula government has been committed to to uh, zero deforestation by 2030 mm -hmm. this is a major accomplishment and we have mm -hmm. shown to the world how we were able to curb deforestation uh during this uh first mandate of lula uh but also thrive economically and have like this really mm -hmm. prosperous um uh commodities and markets um and ensuring uh, rights to indigenous people and so on mm -hmm. and so forth also helping people to get out of the poverty through um social direct to social uh transfer uh, support and so on and so forth so i think this is a, a strong commitment that uh, brazil has already showed that is able to do so if we curb deforestation we have a chance of mm -hmm. the for the climate uh but also for the forest so i think uh, like lula also has made this commitment that um 
all the countries should also support the protection of the Amazon. So mm -hmm. as we have with the Amazonian Fund, which is money from the Norwegian government and, European, mm -hmm. um, and Germany together, they have been made a huge difference in the monitor system that we have and the technology advance for monitoring forced and, and reporting and also spreading this to, to have the due diligence of companies and business that are um, uh, getting products from the region. So, um, and the third um, promising aspect is that um, the, the president also said that um, cannot, cannot be alone to do all this homework. So, uh, along with this commitment, uh, we needed to, to really get this laws and fund mechanism in place to really support adaptation strategies in the global south. Mm -hmm. And specifically on that, I mean, we don't talk much about other regions in Brazil, but m some of those as the Amazon has been negatively impacted. So we needed to really strengthen the support um, and, uh, and be more um, um, enforceable of, of you know, those responsible countries uh, uh, doing the work as well into this, um, uh, into the protection of this ecosystem that has a global uh, climate regulation benefit. Um, and, uh, and, and also uh, um, another strategy is that um, we, there is a new promising uh, approach that is called bioeconomy uh, mm. for the Amazon, which means like attributing economic value to a standing forest. So um, it's a trans it's a transformative paradigm. So um, as we have with the acai, so we have products that are um, uh, are are from the region or rubber and so on and so forth mm -hmm. that needs to be ex um, exploited or or use it in a more sustainable way that are really attributing benefits to standing forest and being inclusive of local traditional knowledge um, needs to be diversified and not a monoculture as we see in commodities uh, and also should be uh, benefit uh, uh, or sharing benefit equally with the local community. So mm. this is something uh, that uh, I just came from the from from a visit to um, European uh, Parliament. Um, mm. All how uh, much uh, of um, industry sector and and the finance sector are interested in those ideas. So so if we are able to support a different approach. Uh, we we might be able to really um, revert or 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 leapfrog uh, this or or delay, if you will, the the tipping point of the largest tropical forest in the world. Very interesting. Uh, I know we're at the we're at the end here, and I, and I do want to wrap up. But very quickly, I guess it sounds like you're you're feeling positive about the change in government and with Lula as president. Is that fair to say, or? I think yes, I, I, and then I think um, in comparison to uh, the despair that we have been mm. living under uh, the latest uh, six or seven years, mm. um, it's it's it is a promise. It is um, like um, uh, we we have been seeing and and being mobilized mobilized by by this new government on how to support them um, in in. Um, 
actions that are really being of like larger scale benefits. So I will just give you an example. Um, the day one of the of uh, of uh, the Lula's um, new position as mm -hmm. the the president, mm -hmm. he announced the creation or the the homologation. What we means the final title of thirteen indigenous land mm. within Brazil. Wow. The majority of those lands are gonna be are in inside the Amazonian territory. So if we are able to 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 do that to demarcate or give homologate these reserves to these indigenous people, we have storage in terms of uh, carbon emissions four years of Brazil industrial emissions in the sector. So mm. just in one single act by the government. So mm. we could have this um, offset of four years of Brazil industrial emissions, which is not uh, so little as you can imagine um, in one single act. So imagine most uh, much more so uh, that that we 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 can foresee this is just an example of uh actions that we are seeing being um coming along and 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 giving a good uh sign to the market and to, to the global community of the serious commitment to to protect the 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 climate stability to protect the amazon and protect its people and and economy and so on yeah Great. I just want to thank you so much for, for making time for for me and, and at least diving into some of this. And I definitely learned a lot and hopefully folks can take some things away and we'll put uh, all your information in the show notes so people can, can find you and learn more about your research. But again, just really appreciate you making time for me today. Oh, I thank you so much for this opportunity. It's so exciting. And, and I, I'm so sorry that I could you know, make this um, like much longer, but um, the constraints and our family time like absolutely calls me up. Uh, and uh, please, please feel free to reach out if you have any questions, if you have like further comments or um, I'm available and it's an honor really um, to, to talk to you. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Patricia. And just hang around for a couple minutes. I just need to wrap some things up with you. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Like, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye.